We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it. It's Candlestick Chronicles. It's the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He is Chris Peterman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I am Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, there's a lot going on in the United States right now after the murder of George Floyd. It was reported on Tuesday night when we're recording here that people in all 50 states and around the world have begun protesting police brutality and continued systemic oppression in the United States. Uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it here, but Chris, I think it'd be irresponsible of us to not at least uh, acknowledge what's what's happening. Yeah, it, it's really tough to sort of focus on football and and every with with everything that's going on. And um, it is such an important issue to me, just because. Um, I mean, anybody who is empathetic to um, other people, people of other races and backgrounds, would understand why this is such a serious issue, why people are protesting. And, and I would be remiss having a podcast, having a 
platform in which, you know, people view my work if I didn't try to to at least help um, and at least convey a message to maybe other white people or anybody else who's listening um, that it's important to listen and it's important to understand that you don't know what life is like in other people's shoes. And, um, you know, it's it's something where I, I happen to think, you know, white privilege is part of it is telling somebody how to feel about something. And I'm not telling anybody else how to feel. I'm what what I'm doing, I think, is is just trying to encourage people to listen and, and try to understand the perspective other people might have because everyone lives a different life and everybody walks a different path. And and it's really heartbreaking to see um, you know, black people, my minorities, people of color in the United States continue to deal with the same issues. And and I think we're seeing this um you know, get violent in some places now with, with the protests. I think people are just really frustrated and rightfully so in the fact that, you know, when Colin Kaepernick was protesting, people didn't really want to listen. They made it about the flag and he was disrespecting the troops and all that, even though Kaepernick over and over again was saying it's not about the flag. This is about police brutality. This is about the way people of color in the United States are treated. And now um, that has not been listened to really by the masses. And so this is sort of the next step. And and the good news about all this, if there is any, maybe a silver lining is that um, I think Mina Kimes said it on Dan Lebitard's show today on TV. Um, she said the center is moving on this. Uh, the center feels differently about this. And, and when I say the center, I, I don't mean politically. I just mean people as a whole, mainstream America now feels differently about this than, than four years ago when Colin Kaepernick first started his protest. Um, I think people have a better understanding of the issues now. And so, um, you know, I, like I said, I, I'd be remiss if, if, I, if we didn't address it on a podcast, the fact that we, we do have an opportunity to speak to people. I know people aren't tuned in for our take on um, racial issues in America, but I just think it's really important for people to listen and and to be empathetic about what's happening um, and to just think outside yourself for a minute. Think about what other people are going through. Um, and I think collectively as a as a society, if we all did that um, and we thought about each other and, and what what we're all going through, because we're all going through different things. Um, I think overall it, it would lead to a uh, a peaceful and and more harmonious society. And, um, you know, who knows if we'll ever get there, but I think right now we're, we're at an inflection point and, you know, I'll never forget 2020 for this. Like we've COVID-19 has been crazy. Um, this, this racial tension stuff has been crazy. The economic issues that are going on. I, I mean, it's all happening at once. Um, and, and I feel like it, you know, like I said, we just, I, I, I did want to address it. I don't want to spend the whole pod talking about it, but, um, I just want to encourage people to listen and, and um, you know, try try to think about other people and, and where they're coming from. And and that's really all I, all I have to say about it. Yeah, I think I think that's been really the, the biggest thing is is listening to people who are hurting, uh, listening to people who are in pain. Don't try and tell them they shouldn't be or they're not. Uh, listen to what people are saying. And I, I think that that it'll make this this country the ideal that it's supposed to be because uh, clearly we're not we're not there yet, and and I think that it's valuable to continue working toward that. 
Um, so I, 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 I think what you said is right. Um, All right, let's take a quick break before we, uh, before we dive into the 49ers receiver situation, huh? Yeah, let's do that. All right. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig. Hodges to discuss a Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, so... Uh, let's let's dive into the 49ers receiver situation here. One of the most interesting areas of the roster, just because for for me, there's two pretty clear cut guys at the top right right now. Anyways, from from what we've seen uh, uh, of of these guys in the NFL, it's it's Debo Samuel, who uh, I, I think is undoubtedly the Niners' top receiver. And then there's Kendrick Bourne. And then there's a lot of question marks of varying, uh, for varying reasons. You have Brandon Ayuk. He's a rookie. We haven't seen him play in the NFL yet. You have Dante Pettis, who was a non-factor last year. You have guys like Travis Benjamin, Trent Taylor, and Jalen Hurd, who were, who were, who were all hurt last year. So there's, there's really, for, for me anyway, it's very top heavy with with Samuel and Bourne and then Ayuk, I guess, are are the three locks to make the roster. And then after that, it's really up in the air. And I I have some guys who who I've kind of penciled in, but I'm not really confident in nailing down any other roster spots at this point. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely the most up in the air in terms of all the team's position groups, right? Like you look at the rest of the roster and we can pretty confidently hammer down who we think is going to make the team and, and who's going to start. And like you said, we we definitely have an idea that Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne are going to be two of the three guys. The question is really, like you mentioned, is how much is Brandon Ayuk going to be able to contribute? Um, and then there are a bunch of other question marks and, and you probably have what seven guys competing for the final three or four spots. And, uh, and, a lot of them, if not all of them, are are probably NFL players. So going through the whole list, you have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pettis, Travis Benjamin, Richie James, Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd, Jawan Jennings, Chris Fink. Is it Fink or Finky? I, th- I believe it's Fink. That's what I'm going with. I'm all right, going we're to going Google with Fink. pronunciation right uh, now, which uh, is probably something we should have done before the pod. Apologies to Chris um, beforehand. Uh, Chris Thompson and Sean Poindexter. So looking at it. Um, I mean, it, it, it really comes down to health. It comes down to health. It comes down to how these guys uh, have gotten better or stagnated or even gotten worse this offseason. Um, this offseason is a huge variable, and, and I think it's particularly tough on receivers because so much of what they do is based on timing and chemistry with the quarterback. 
Um, and we know Jimmy Garoppolo recently has had throwing sessions with uh, with some of the receivers, um, according to Kendrick Bourne on Instagram. Um, prodigious Instagram user Kendrick Bourne. But um, so it, it's just really interesting because there's so many different skill sets and so many different combinations that Kyle Shanahan could go for. And what's interesting about it is you and I have talked about it all the time. Like there's this shift in Shanahan's offense towards positionless football, right? Um, so when you look at it, there aren't really a whole lot of guys who are similar in terms of skill set. So right. you wonder if they're going to be pigeonholed or is Kyle Shanahan going to use them in a bunch of different ways. Um, it's really interesting. And it feels like there are like three or four wild cards to the group. Like is Travis Benjamin going to be a rookie who you know, contributes as a return man while also providing sort of that speed element that Marquise Goodwin gave them? Or, you know, is Dante Pettis going to rebound and, and look like the promising rookie we saw at the end of 2018? Or is he going to play himself off the roster in training camp because these other guys are healthy? Speaking of, like, is Trent Taylor going to be healthy? And is he going to be the same player who Kyle Shanahan said was the team's best offensive player during the first couple weeks of training camp last summer before breaking his foot. Um, Peter King said Jalen Hurd was going to be the offensive rookie of the year after watching a handful of practices. I, I thought Hurd looked good in practice. I wasn't I wasn't really willing to go that far out on a limb. Um, and then Juwan Jennings, like probably somebody who would have been a fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, the 49ers round, wound up getting him in round seven because of some off the field issues. And he and he didn't exactly. Uh, test very fast running in the four sevens like all these dudes are different um and they're all sort of wild cards and so to me it's like the Niners receiving core there there's a high variance for it like if Debo Samuel turns into a number one guy which is another question that sort of remains unknown um I think he I, I tend to think he will but like it starts there if Samuel can can evolve into that number one guy then you have the one guy that really the 49ers were lacking last year until they traded for Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Brandon Ayuk, how much can he contribute as a rookie? That's a big question mark. Kendrick Bourne feels like the most predictable guy on this whole yeah. this whole thing. Like he's going to be the second or third receiver. You know he's probably going to give you anywhere from 400 to 600 yards and four to six touchdowns or something. Um, he's not going to be the number one guy, but he's certainly a good receiver to have in your mix. And then the other guys, it's like they're all just unknowns. And uh, and so the Niners receiving core could be really good or it could struggle again, sort of like it did in the first half of last season. And maybe the 49ers would have to consider making a change like they did when they traded for Sanders last October. Yeah, and I, I, I think that Kyle Shanahan, he's going to take the best receivers. I don't think he's going to look... Like, I don't think he's looking at Jalen Hurd and Jawan Jennings and saying, I'm keeping one of those two. There's a right. battle for a roster spot between those two guys because I want a big slot or or whatever whatever you want to call it, a tight end receiver, hybrid type. I, right. I, I just I, I don't think that that's how he views receivers. It's who's going to get open, who's going to catch the ball consistently. Consistency was a big thing he talked about last year with the receiving core. And... Every as as we've mentioned a bunch here at the top of the podcast, every single one of these guys is is up in the air. Like it, it's Samuel, Bourne, Ayuk, and then 
I think the odds, like if you were listing odds for the rest of the receivers to make the roster, I don't think there's one who's a huge favorite and one who's a huge, like, off-the-roster underdog. Totally agree. If you gave me any, let's say they keep, let's say they keep six receivers. If you gave me those three and then any other combination of the three, I, I would believe. Right. So uh, check that Chris Fink, Chris Thompson and Sean Poindexter being the three. I wouldn't believe that. So let me take that back. But I think that's the only combo that I'm not buying. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you. Um, there, it, It's just. I mean, it's it's a hard group to really handicap because you mentioned like trying to put odds on, you know, who makes the team. Like when I write my mailbag every week, um, just about every week, somebody asked me, what's the receiving core going to look like? And then I end up listing everybody. I'm like, well, if, if Jalen Hurd's healthy, then, you know, he's really intriguing. If Trent Taylor's healthy, then he might end up being a guy that catches 80 passes. Um, you know, if Dante Pettis rebounds and changes his body and, uh, plays with more competitive toughness, particularly, you know, at the catch point over the middle of the field, then maybe he ends up being one of your top three receivers. Um, and there's also the possibility that the Niners keep seven receivers because the the active roster is going to be expanded from 46 to 48. And we know last year the Niners had six receivers active. Um, a lot of times they had five or six guys up, but they also had four tight ends available for most of the year. And they also had three quarterbacks on the roster. So maybe if they only have two quarterbacks and three tight ends, um, that allows them to, to grow the receiving core a little bit uh, by one spot and they have seven guys on the 53 man roster, which would make sense given the way all these dudes sort of have differing skill sets. And I'm totally with you in that. You know, I think Kyle Shanahan would like to have a bigger guy that he could use in the slot, but I don't think that's going to, that's going to sway the way the team makes its decision when it comes to final cuts. Like, I don't think uh, it, you know, if it's, if it's between say, um, Juwan Jennings and Travis Benjamin for that last spot, it's not going to be, all right, who's bigger, uh, who's, who has the more unique skill set to the group. It's going to be, you know, who's better, like who's going to help us win games. Right. Yep. Um, and so it's just a fascinating group because there are so many options, so many variables. And we, I mean, typically at this point in the year, I mean, media reporters would have been to like, I don't know, six practices already. And we would have like an idea of who's having a really good off season. We would be doing interviews. Um, you know, we would have a night. We, we would know who did well throughout the off season uh, conditioning program. Did Dante Pettis, you know, get stronger is a question that I would have hoped would have been answered at this point. But we simply have no idea because we haven't seen these guys practice yet. So it is really interesting, um, but I think if your top three is Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, uh, on paper, that's a pretty good group, particularly with yep. George Kittle really as your number one sort of receiving option at tight end. You don't necessarily need a true number one receiver. Um, but then, like, you know, we saw how good Trent Taylor was at the end of 2017 with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Jalen Hurd, the hype train is you know, is going to have a ton of steam if he's healthy when training camp starts. Um, Volunteer Nation is is going to be fixated on Jawan Jennings. Very high on Jawan Jennings, the Vol Nation is, yeah. Um, Richie James will... learn today, Chris. That's <laughs> what they keep saying to me. 
<laughs> Richie don't call J- me Chris. That'd be weird. But yeah. <laughs> R- Richie James is probably sliding under the radar still. Um, probably under underrated a little bit. Um, but yeah, here's, I mean, here's 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 the here's the the fulcrum point on this whole receiver discussion. If Brandon Ayuk is going to be production wise, Debo Samuel as a rookie, the other three or four receivers on the roster matter way less. True. If it's Debo Samuel taking a step forward and, and evolving into a number one receiver, which in the final eight games of last year his 16-game pace would have put him second in yards from scrimmage in the entire NFL. Um, you have, uh, among wide receivers, I should, I should say. He had more yards from scrimmage than any rookie receiver in team history. Right. Um, right. And Jerry Rice uh, is a part of 49ers team history. I don't know if you knew that. Get out of town. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you pair that with... Ayuk, who, if he is going to be, like I said, Debo Samuel 2.0 from a production standpoint, with Kendrick Bourne pitching in his 50 catches for 500 yards and five or six touchdowns, that's a really good top three receivers. And now the onus on the rest of the receiving core is much, there's a lot less onus on that, on that group to produce. And all of a sudden it doesn't, it doesn't matter as much who those four players are because now the first of those four players only needs to be okay rather than, Hey, one of these guys may need to step into the starting lineup and produce at a high level. So that's, that's where a lot of this to me hinges because if Brandon Ayuk cannot hit the ground running, which is a very real possibility because transitioning from college to the NFL as a receiver is very difficult. And he's not going to have an off-season program to to work on the nuances of the offense, so it may take him even longer to pick it up. So if if that happens, a lot of pressure is going to fall on this receiving core that, as you noted earlier, might be really good. It might struggle to the point that the Niners need to start giving up draft picks to try and trade for somebody in the middle of the year again. Yeah, so let's go through some of the questions. We No pressure, Brandon Knight. <laughs> Yeah, let's go through some of the questions we wrote down. Um, and I don't know if we can answer them because this is all purely speculative. But so you put this one week one season opener uh, against the Arizona Cardinals uh, at Levi Stadium in theory. Um, the first offensive play, they come out in 21 personnel. So who are the two receivers on the field? I, I think with I would put a lot of money on it being Samuel and Boy. Yeah, it, ba- barring barring injury, it's it's going to be Samuel and Bourne, and barring Brandon Ayuk being a superhuman receiver who breaks out right away, which I I, I don't foresee happening. Uh, but I think I think it's going to be those two guys. It, it just stands to reason that they're the most consistent producers in camp. Yeah, I, I think those two will probably end up leading the 49ers receivers and snaps played. Um, if it's if it wasn't let let's I'm I'm putting Debo at the top of the depth chart. He's starting. If it's not Bourne, if, if I if I tell you, hey, I'm from the future, it's not Kendrick Bourne. Who are you thinking it is? Ooh, um, probably Ayuk. Okay. Or Trent Taylor. Okay. okay. I mean, it's up. Kyle Shanahan loves himself some Trent Taylor. He sure does. It's just really uh, difficult for somebody who is 5'8", 180 pounds, 
um, who struggled throughout 2018 with a back injury. He had back surgery that May before that season started. Um, and now coming off a broken foot, like it's just tough to be that small and have pre-existing injury issues and, and, you know, to count on that person to place, you know, a high number of snaps over 16 games. That's, that's tough. But I, but I think Taylor would elevate to that starting discussion for sure. Um, if he was fully healthy and went through camp without any hiccups, but I think Ayuk that like Kyle Shanahan also really likes Brandon Ayuk and, you know, Chris Sims said it on Twitter in a couple of different places. He's obviously Kyle Shanahan's close friend. And he said that Shanahan thinks Brandon Ayuk could be, um, the next Isaac Bruce, which is, you know, something. Um, so if Ayuk does have a really good training camp, then I, I think it would probably be him. And he's, he's the highest receiver, He's the earliest receiver Shanahan's ever drafted since being a coordinator in 2008. All right, so let's so let's power rank these. If it's okay. if it's born Ayuk, is Taylor number three? Because I think well, Pettis is well, number Samuel three. Samuel's one. Yeah, I, I meant I meant the power ranking the guys after Samuel. Okay. Um, yeah, I would put Ayuk two, Taylor three. Born for, I don't know. Uh, it's tough. I mean, it's impossible to say without training camp. Ayuk, Taylor, born, I think would be the way I put it. Um, and I'm not at all confident in that, but that's based on what I think I know about those guys um, and how the coaching staff feels about them. I, I think that's, that's where I would go. I'm buying all your Dante Pettis stock. You're a big Dante Pettis guy. I'm big Dante Pettis guy. If anyone's selling Dante Pettis stock, I'm taking it. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still buying those, those five weeks in 2018. Yeah. And you can reinvest it into Jimmy Ward Island, putting a, uh, a tennis court in. We do need a new jacuzzi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you think Travis Benjamin has a legitimate role, uh, on the roster? Is he just kind of fighting for a roster spot? I think he's fighting for a roster spot, but I also think, I mean, I think he's fighting for a roster spot, but I think if he makes a team, he would have a legitimate role because he would be far and away the most experienced receiver on the team. Um, And he already has familiarity with Kyle Shanahan after playing for him previously uh, with Cleveland. And we know that Kyle Shanahan really likes to have a speed element at receiver and I mean, with with Marquise Goodwin gone, I guess Richie James gives some of that to you, but this isn't a receiving core filled with burners. Like Benjamin's really the only burner, and and Samuel plays fast, but but pure speed isn't his game. Like Marquise Goodwin was a favorite of Kyle, or not a favorite, but Kyle Shanahan liked Marquise Goodwin because of just the speed element that he provided. Shanahan really enjoys being able to stress defenses in every way possible. And so he looks at having a deep threat as an asset in the running game because it can create space. Right. Um, Right. So I think Benjamin, if he makes a team would have a pretty significant role. Like, you know, people talk about Taylor Gabriel um, with the Browns previously with Shanahan and and the Falcons. I, I, Benjamin is probably in, in that sort of mold and probably also somebody who could contribute in in the kick game. So, yeah, I, I, if he makes a team, I think so. But 
if Juwan Jennings comes comes out and plays like a grown man in, in training camp in the preseason and the discussion is, well, do we want to keep the guy we drafted or this, you know, older veteran who's on a one year contract, you're going to go with the draft pick. Um, right. And the same, I think, would be true for Jalen Hurd, too. Um, but I really it, it's really tough to say because it's like. You know, if Dante Pettis doesn't make the team, then are you more inclined to keep Travis Benjamin? Or if Pettis does make the team, then is is Benjamin going to be good enough to, you know, hold off Taylor and Hurd and Jennings for snaps um, and Richie James? I mean, it's it's far and away like I would love to just be able to break down like who I think is going to make the team who's probably on the bubble. But like the only thing I feel comfortable saying is the top three guys, Samuel, Ayuk, and Bourne are going to make it. And then basically yeah. the rest of it, the, the rest of the team is on the bubble. And a lot of that has to do with health because we yeah. can't trust Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd to be, you know, to be a hundred percent and say, all right, yeah, they're going to play in at least 14 games. Um, I think it's really tough. If Dante Pettis makes the team when, when you mentioned him getting him not making the team this this question popped into my head if Dante Pettis makes the team is it because he's carved out a role as the second third or fourth receiver or do you think there's a scenario where he makes the team and rides the bench like he did last year I th- so I, think I don't for- think he's I don't think he took a snap after week 13 12 week 12 that was the green bay game right uh yeah we we week 12 against green bay i think was his last snap so i think for dante pettis to make the team he's gonna have to get significantly better sure does that mean that he supplants other guys for roles i would say probably um but i i could also see their you know pettis getting better and the other guys being so much better that it's still hard for Pettis to get on the field. I could see that happening because what Kyle Shanahan likes about Pettis is his versatility. He thinks he could play the X, the Z and the F. Um, and potentially he could, he, you know, he could return punts, although he hasn't been nearly as good at it in his very small sample as a pro as he was um, when he set the NCAA record for, for punt returns, touchdowns at Washington. Um, but Pettis is the biggest wild card of the group because I still believe that he is talented enough to be a starting caliber receiver. And if you're a starting caliber receiver in a Kyle Shanahan offense, um, then theoretically you could be a really productive player. But there's also a chance that Pettis is just sort of stagnant from what he was last year. And then Kyle Shanahan just says, all right, we, we missed on this guy. We're going to move forward with other guys. Yeah. And and it could also be that Pettis makes the team by default because Taylor and Hurt are hurt. Yeah. You know, so it, I think it's that's a very real possibility. It's tough to say. Pettis is definitely the I, most interesting guy, I think, on, on the roster. Like we talk about variance of outcomes. For me, he's the he's the highest variance of outcome, highest variance of outcomes guy on the team. He feels a little bit he feels a little bit like the 2019 49ers. <laughs> yeah. Where where and I don't mean the end result, but you remember if you've been listening to this podcast since, since last offseason, 
you and I were both of the mind that every outcome for the 2019 Niners is on the table because there were so many question marks about the team going into the year. And obviously a lot of things went their way. They went 13 and three, they went to the Super Bowl. But I think Dante Pettis is in a similar spot where if you tell me Dante Pettis got cut, I believe you. If you tell me Dante Pettis developed into the number two receiver and he caught 75 balls for 800 yards, I would believe you. Right. I, I, I'm, um, like I said, I, 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 I think every option is available for, for Pettis this year. It's just a matter of what he, <laughs> kind of what he wants to do. Cause the skill sets there last year, he just looked disinterested and, and that's not, to say he was that's just kind of how it looked uh, right so moving on to to the next question we have it's on similar subjects but um john lynch has called um taylor and heard and and he even included pettis which was kind of interesting sort of calling last season a, a lost year for pettis but he calls those guys red shirt guys quote unquote um and i'm I mean, I just don't really know how to evaluate what to expect. Like, all I can say about Taylor is he has a possibility to be a very good player in Shanahan's offense this year. Now that it's more or less complete compared to what it was in 2017 from a personnel perspective, and it'll be far more evolved from a schematic perspective because so many guys have been on the team for a while. But Taylor really is that slot receiver that, the 49ers didn't really have last year, just in terms of, you know, like third and seven, who can break off and get open for, you know, a conversion in the middle of the field. Like that's what Taylor was really good at. You remember Jimmy Garoppolo's first start and it, it seemed like every single third down, you're like, all right, Trent Taylor on a slant, here it comes. Um, and it worked. Trent Taylor, I think caught, wasn't he like 10 for 11 or something on slant routes? Uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo at, at quarterback during those last five games. I, I forget what the number was, but it but statistically, Trent Taylor was crazy efficient from from the slot and particularly running slant routes. Can he provide that to the 49ers offense? Because, I mean, it's a huge question mark. Like I said, he's dealing with injury issues the past couple of years, um, but that was an element that they didn't really have. I think they missed that. And then Hurd, you know, like, we talk about the upside. It, he could be a really big physical receiver that ends up being one of the team's most, you know, he, he could be in the top three in terms of snap count for receivers, or he could even play some H back and, and tight end potentially. Um, I don't know, you know, like I said, without seeing him practice, it's really hard to know what kind of shape he's in. The 49ers have reiterated that he's healthy and, and would have been fully cleared to participate in the offseason program in April. But like, like I've said at earlier podcasts, I have a hard time reconciling Heard being ready to go and fully cleared in April, but not being medically cleared to, to just sit on a plane and, and be with the team in Miami for the Super Bowl. Um, I just, I, I think if he can't go to the Super Bowl, either something else is going on or his back is really not in good enough shape to be available in April. And maybe it was just the team being overly precautious. I don't know for a fact what, what Jalen Hurd's status is. I only know what the 49ers have said, which is that they're optimistic about him. Um, so how do you see that? See group? What he how do you see that group shaping, shaking out? I'm really interested to see what Jalen Hurd does. I've talked about Pettis. I'm, I'm done talking about Dante Pettis. I just explained what I thought about him. 
I'm really interested. I think we know what Taylor brings to the table, and I think he's an effective receiver. If he's healthy, if you tell me Trent Taylor is going to be healthy through camp and for 16 games, I'm putting him on the roster locks. Yeah. Because I think his ability to create space in tight windows, just especially over the middle, like just really fits Jimmy Garoppolo's skill set. And I, I, I think that he's very quickly going to carve out a niche in the offense where he sees a lot of targets if he's on the field. So Hurd is the one that I'm really interested in, not, beca- not just because of all the things you mentioned with, with his, his injury, with his back injury and what kind of kind of physical shape he's in, but just how the Niners are going to use him. Like last year, the, there was the question of, is he going to play some tight end? Is he going to play some running back? Well, how much, how big of a role can he have as a rookie? If he's still trying to learn receiver after only playing it for one year. So I'm interested to see what he's been able to kind of soak up off the field and where he hits the ground running this offseason. Is it just starting over where he's projected to kind of mostly just play in the slot because he's still learning the offense and can't go down and play tight end yet or can't play running back yet? Or is is he ready to go? He's taking in the info he needs to take in and he's ready to play tight end. He's ready to line up at different receiver spots. Um, I, I, I'm fascinated by what Jalen Hurd brings to the table because I think that with this group of receivers, if things shake out a certain way, his roster spot or his playing time might hinge on how many different positions he can play. Yeah, I think because that's if fair. He's, if he's only going to be a slot receiver, I, I don't know if there's going to be a roster spot available for that guy. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and what's interesting about just skill position players uh, for in Kyle Shanahan's offense in general, like George Kittle talked about it a lot between his first and second year and Pettis did too, to a certain extent, like when you're a rookie in this offense, you're running around with your head cut off because you don't really know um, you don't, you're not fully comfortable with everything. Like you might know the offense, but you're not comfortable in the sense that you're just playing. You're, you're really thinking about it. You're in your head a lot. And that was the biggest difference between uh, the second year for George Kittle when he had 1,377 yards versus his rookie season. And I'm very curious to see, like you mentioned with Hurd, how much of that mental aspect of the game is he going, going to have down pat and how much did he miss by not playing last year? Like you can know all of the plays and all of your responsibilities, but it's different when you're on the field hearing the call on the huddle, lining up where you're supposed to, going in motion when you're supposed to, uh, and then running the route. And if it's a choice route, are you doing, you know, are you are you running the right route against the right looks? All of those type of things. Are you going to be able to do that effectively after not playing your rookie season and not really getting a second off season to, to understand that? And so for me, like, Heard should have a mental edge from the standpoint of he's been in the program now for a year, right? Like he's been in the room for the most part. He should know the offense. He should be more comfortable than somebody who's never played a snap before typically would be because he did have that quote unquote red shirt season, but is it going to translate? And like you said, are they going to ask him to play multiple positions? I think they will. Like, I, I think you know, he might not be a tight end and he, he might never have a number in the eighties, but like, 
whether he's you know split out wider in the slot or whatever, I think he's also going to be used in, on some of the routes that Kittle runs, on some of the routes that you know Kyle Uzcheck runs. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all, and and it, it's also important to point out, like with the 49ers offense, and we've said this before too, but it's not position specific in terms of your responsibilities. Like any of the skill players could could be asked to line up, you know, wide right at at the numbers um, on any given play, and they could all go run stop routes or whatever. Like from running back to fullback to tight end to receivers, like Kyle Shanahan wants all those dudes to be able to do everything. So Hurd could be that guy who excels in that role, but that's that's a ton to ask for somebody who hasn't played in the league yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think so. I think if I think it's I, I'm very very interested to see Hurd this year. I think I've said that ten times now, but it, I. I don't know what he's going to bring exactly, but the ceiling is so high that he's going to be fascinating until he's either uh, at that ceiling or, or settled into a different role. Stress fractures in your back. That's a tough injury. Very tough. And that can, isn't that what, isn't that what Trent Taylor dealt with in back surgery? He had back surgery. Um, I don't think it was a stress fracture. I think it was something else, but um yeah, it's just tough. Like it could prop up at any time. And you know, some days it could feel great and some days it could be terrible. And maybe that's why he was um you know, he he wasn't able to go to the Super Bowl but you know, sure. potentially cleared for April. We'll see. Um so how how good Okay, let let's set this. I'll I'll do the over under. Um 50 catches, 500 yards for Brandon Ayuk. Are you going over or under as in his rookie season? I'm going to go under receptions, but not by a lot. And I'm going to go over on yards. A little bit over on yards. The Niners had two guys have more than 50 catches last year. Debo Samuel at 57, Kittle at 85. Emmanuel Sanders had 36 in 10 games. Yeah. I just I don't think that the targets are going to be there for Ayuk early in the year. Maybe he'll get the bubble screen or the uh, the slant here and there. I just don't think that that the the volume is going to be there for him at least early in the season. But I think he has the skill set to, if he gets, let's say, five touches in the first two games. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he turns those five touches into into a hundred yards. Right, uh, and I probably should have said scrimmage explosive. yards. Yeah, and I think he didn't do a lot of running in college, but I think right. it's something the Niners will absolutely do with him. Yeah, I, I they, think that's that's going to be in his bag. They might they might force feed him uh, in a similar way they did to with, with Debo early last year, where it was you know a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of bubble screens. Yeah. Just get the ball in his hands and see what he can do after the catch. Because of course, he averaged what over eleven yards per uh, after the catch on each reception last year in college. I so think he's, it was, I think it was nine point nine. Nine point nine. It was the okay. highest in in NCAA. Yeah. So yeah, uh, a lot of yak for Ayuk. Um, yeah, I I think I'm gonna go under as well. I think he'll have somewhere between thirty and forty catches, and then. 
you know, 450 yards or something like that. And and maybe something like 600 scrimmage yards if he gets six or yeah. 700 scrimmage yards, if he gets, uh, you know, used in, in the running game and things like that. It's just that's tough, a success, man. That's a, that's a success to me. Yeah. If, yeah. If, if, if he's he not dropping passes. And he's, season, yeah. Yeah. If he's not dropping passes and, you know, if he's on the field and, and defenses have to respect his skill set, um, I think that's all you can really ask for as a rookie. Um, because I think like it's the top three pass catchers on the team are pro are most likely to be Kittle, Samuel, and Bourne. Um, so Ayuk yeah. fitting in somewhere in that fourth or fifth spot as a rookie um would be would be good. And then you would expect him to maybe be in that like, you know, thousand yards from scrimmage mix in year two, in my opinion. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that sounds right. Um, six or seven receivers on the on the fifty three man roster. What do you think? Uh, I think it's six. Okay. Because I, I I think that they have enough guys with with enough different skill sets that they can fill out a solid receiving core with with six guys. And then I just think that there's going to be other spots on the roster where they they need to stay a little deeper. Um. I, I think it's I think it's probably six receivers. I'm gonna go seven. Um because I th- I don't think they're gonna carry three quarterbacks. I don't think they're gonna carry four tight ends like they uh like they did for as long as they did last year. Um so I think that might allow them to have seven receivers. And because these guys have such different skill sets um and injury questions, frankly, um then I'm going to go with seven. Okay. That's fine. Just disagreeing with me. It's cool. You hate me. I get it. Uh, <laughs> no, six so, is probably so, the right answer, but I, but if I were constructing the roster, looking at this group, I think I'd go seven. I'm going to get Kyle Shanahan on the phone and let him know that he should keep six. Just Game so I can be right. Uh, rack this. So the last three questions, I think we can all tie into a depth chart projection. The last three questions were how many locks do we have? which we've talked about, can Debo be a number one receiver and will Dante Pettis make the team? So I think you can kind of answer all of those in a quick uh, projection of the depth chart. So why don't you go first? Okay. Um, I haven't put a ton of thought into this. So this is just a projection off the cuff. I'm not trying to be a hot take artist here. Um. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, three locks. Uh, Richie James, Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd, Jawan Jennings, seven. So the names not on there are Dante Pettis and Travis Benjamin. So I'll repeat, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, Richie James, Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd, Jawan Jennings. That is my prediction, my off-the-cuff prediction of the Niners seven man receiving core okay I went to I I wrote about this a little bit at Niners wire so I wanted to keep consistent with that okay I have Debo Samuel Kendrick Bourne Brandon Ayuk the three locks that we've talked about Trent Taylor Richie James and Jalen Hurd those are my six for now so neither of us have Pettis making it right and you, just, have, and, and you don't have Jennings making it. Correct. Even though and I love neither of us, Jennings. 
and ni- neither of us have Travis Benjamin making it. Correct. So okay. I, I listed I listed my my depth chart in order here from all the receivers on the roster. I had Benjamin at seven. Okay. Uh, Pettis is at eight, and the reason for me Pettis is at eight, and I know I said I'm I'm high on Dante Pettis, but realistically, I I, I can't remember if it was week twelve or thirteen, but he he didn't take a snap over the final like six games. And his role was so limited all year that I think the hill he has to climb right now to get back onto the roster is pretty steep. Right. So it's going to take a a really strong showing from him in camp, and I think he's capable of it. But right now, his stock is not super high. So it's if they keep seven, I think it's I think it's Benjamin over Pettis at least right now. At Jawan Jennings ninth, Chris Fink tenth, Poindexter eleventh, Thompson twelfth. So that's my full, full depth chart. Big piece. <laughs> so after the Seahawks game, November 11th, which we remember Pettis not uh, running through a potential. Was it a first down catch or what? I get? believe so. And and Shanahan specifically pointed out he was like in his post game presser, he said, that they thought they could get some easy completions and specifically right. pointed out the play to Pettis as a play that was supposed to be an easy completion and he dropped it. Uh, no catches on three targets for that game. After He played 31 snaps in that game. 49ers lost, obviously. Um, he played two snaps against the Cardinals. Um, was that the Halloween game? I believe that was the Halloween game. One of No, actually it wasn't. Check that. Two snaps in the second game against the Cardinals, the home game at Levi's. Seven snaps against the Packers, the blowout win in November. Um, and like you said, didn't play again uh, and wasn't even active in the Super Bowl. He had been active throughout, I think, uh, the late stages of the of the season, despite not getting on the field and was made inactive. The 40, I think it was the only time all year the 49ers only had four active receivers was the Super Bowl, which was yeah, kind of that's right kind of an odd wrinkle in that game. Kyle Shanahan decided to make Jeff Wilson Jr. the fourth available running back or halfback because uh, Tevin Coleman was coming in with that shoulder injury. Um, Here's... Go ahead. Go ahead. Pettis, Pettis only caught 45% of his catches all year, and it was just 11 to 24 targets. So looking at the numbers, it's pretty easy to see why Pettis would be on the outside looking in. He had seven snaps in a 37 to eight win over Green Bay. And then he got zero snaps in that crazy New Orleans game. He had zero in a 27 10 divisional round blowout over the Vikings and zero in a 37 20 blowout in the NFC Championship game over the Packers. He couldn't get one garbage time snap. Do you know how far in the doghouse you have to be to not have him go, yeah, get out there? Go fake run block. So we went from. That's rough. Yeah. He played. Are are you still buying all the Dante Pettis stock? Yes. Okay. I'm still buying it, dude. And here's what it's dirt cheap right now. Okay. So it's a penny stock. Yeah. This is, this is just smart investing by me because I don't have to invest a ton. If he doesn't make it, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't play well and that's fair. So you're, you're Wolf of wall street, wall streeting this thing. Yeah, I am. I, I also would like to point out, that uh, the 49ers with Dante Pettis in the lineup, 10 and 1. The Niners without Dante Pettis in the lineup, 5 and 3. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes think, you think. I, yeah. Um, I, I think 
that that meaningless stat is a good place to end. It's a great place to end. Everybody, <laughs> I need to get out of here before I say anything else dumb. Uh, hey, thank you guys so much for listening, uh, both at the beginning and throughout uh, this podcast. We really appreciate everybody who downloads, rates, subscribes, reviews, and people who are just listening for the first time. We appreciate you as well. We will be back with another episode of The Old Rush, where we break down uh, old 49ers games. We have a lot of fun going back through those. It's super not a detailed film breakdown. Uh, we just have a good time watching some old football games of a, of a chore of an offense to watch. <laughs> so uh, if you've missed those, go back into our feed and check them out and uh, look out for the one coming up on Friday. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, for Chris Peterman and Blue Wire Pods, I'm Kyle Madsen. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.